Amen. Praise the Lord for all that the Lord does for us. And we have a wonderful Savior this morning. And we owe Him more than we could ever repay. Sometimes uh, we live like He owes us. And so we want to be mindful of the fact that we can never repay what God has done for us and the sacrifice that He's made for us. Uh, and we look forward to getting into His message this morning. What a blessing uh, it is to just come together with God's people and to worship and and uh, to sing about the things that God has done for us. And, you know, I love the uh, holy, holy, holy. God, is the, that mandate is still there. The Bible hasn't changed. And Jesus said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Uh, and so we believe that. We preach that. We try to live that. And so uh, we praise the Lord for his goodness to us and making it possible. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew chapter number 28. It's great to have Pastor Rick Main and his family with us from Lighthouse Baptist Church in Toledo, Ohio this morning. God bless you folks are here vacationing, and so we're honored to have you in the service today, and I hope the service will be a blessing to your family as well. And uh, we get folks passing through every once in a while. We don't get a whole lot of pastors, so it's always a blessing to see another brother in Christ and hear about what God's doing in their city. And so you pray for him in the city of Toledo, and uh, it's been comfortable there. It's been uncomfortable here. It's about to get uncomfortable there. It's about to get real comfortable here. Uh, and so we'll be thinking about them as they head back north. Uh, and you pray for them as they go and labor there for the Lord. Uh, Matthew chapter number 28. Let's stand together as we read our text this morning. We'll begin in verse number 16. Uh, in chapter 28, Jesus is resurrected. And as the resurrection has taken place and there, the word is spreading, uh, the high priest goes to the guards and bribes them with a great sum of money to say that the disciples came and stole him. Uh, and then uh, they are back in Galilee in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Mark said it a little bit more succinctly in Mark chapter number 16 and verses 15 and 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now I want to speak to you this morning on this thought, the mission of the church as we begin our Missions Emphasis Month today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together already. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice. Lord, thank you for your gift of the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit for your indwelling of us, your encouraging us, convicting us. Uh, Lord, your leading us and guiding us as we go through this journey toward our eternal home. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be passionate about living our lives for the glory of God that we would be living our lives mindful of the great need that those around us have of the Savior that we know of. May we uh, be ever conscious and growingly so of the, of the responsibility to share our faith with those with whom we come in contact and to expand 
the influence of the gospel beyond just our church and our city uh, into the surrounding areas and ultimately across the world. Lord, I pray that you would bless our time this morning. I pray that you would work in our hearts. May we not resist you, but may we be open, Holy Spirit, to your teaching, your guiding, and your convicting power this morning. In Jesus' name and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So we look here this morning and we begin this month. There's a lot of things that a pastor would look at and say, well, I need to start with this area. I need to start with this. We, uh, we, we support our missionaries through Faith Promise Missions. Uh, we'll get into that in a week or so down the road. And if you've been here, you understand what that is. And you know uh, that when we get to the final week of the month or the first week of November, that I'm going to give you uh, a commitment card and ask you to be in prayer about what God uh, would have you to do to support missions. That's not the focus this morning. We're not going to really even uh, talk about that end of things at all. I want to start with just the, the basic concept of why we're here. Uh, why we're here as a church. The Great Commission, uh, as we call it, is, uh, I, can, I'm, I, just, I can think of no better place in the Bible than to begin a, Sundays, a month of Sundays emphasizing missions uh, than the passage in which Jesus gives us his mission for why he put us here. Uh, and so we're here for a purpose. We are not here uh, just by happenstance or to just go casually through life. God has given us a mission. This passage is known as the Great Commission. Uh, and so it's known really, I don't think there's any argument about that, any dispute about that. Uh, and so what does that mean? You know, we use terms like that a lot and we take for granted that everybody gets what that means and understands what that means. But increasingly, as new people are reached and, and come in, we need to stop and remember we need to take the time sometimes to explain for the sake of those that are new uh, to our faith or new to what type of a church that we are or new to Christianity in general uh, to make sure that we understand what's being stated. And so we're going to take some time this morning and do that. Two primary things that we must understand if we're going to uh, fulfill the command that Jesus gives us here, and they're the concept of commission and the concept of mission. Uh, and so the mission of the church is an outflow of the commission that Jesus has given to the church. And so when we talk about this concept of commission, we need to understand what a commission is. A commission, by definition, is a charge. It is an order that is given, or it is a mandate that has been established but it is, an, it is a mandate, an order, or a charge that has been given by, by proper authority and given with authority behind it for those that are sent to be able to carry out the mission that's been given. Uh, for example, uh, if I uh, give someone a task but do not give them the authority to make decisions about that task, then they are just sent on an errand. Listen, we have not been sent on an errand by the Lord. We have been given a commission. We have been given a mandate. We have been given his authority to carry out that mission, to preach the gospel uh, to every creature. And so uh, when we talk about the, uh, the concept of commission, that's what we're dealing with here. It is the act of committing or sending to, it is the act of entrusting as a charge or duty. Uh, the commentator John Phillips uh, summed it up uh, this way. 
Uh, let me excuse me. I'm going to get ahead of myself here just a little bit. Uh, and so the, uh, let's let's back up just for a moment. The charger duty. And so when Jesus says in uh, in verse number 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, "All power is given unto me." In heaven and in earth, then what Jesus is in, in in heaven and in earth, then what Jesus is saying here is that uh, that I have the power. The Greek word here uh, is exousia, exousia, and it means the right. Uh, or John Phillips sums it up this way because it's kind of a fragmented definition, but he put it together this way, uh, very succinctly: all the right of absolute authority and all the resources of absolute power. So when Jesus says, I have all power, all power is given unto me, he is saying here that I'm giving you this commission, this mandate. I'm giving you this power. So we have all of the power of God uh, that, that he gives the commission with all the power of heaven and he has given and entrusted to us all of his power to carry it out all of his authority to carry it out. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote of that to the church of Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 4 when he said, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth uh, the hearts. Uh, and so Jesus is laying on us or entrusting to us what he gave all of his life and blood for and that is the sharing of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a commission from the Savior this morning, and the fulfillment of that commission, therefore, becomes the mission of the church. Now, commission is a large uh, order. It is a large duty. It is a, uh, an encompassing thing that drives us forward. A mission can be large or small. It is more objective. It is just to make it very simply defined, it is a specific task uh, which a person or a group is charged. And so a mission is, uh, I give you this task. So as a church, as a pastor, I can uh, obey the, the great commission that God has given us. I can uh, send elements of people within our church to perform a specific duty or a task or send them on a mission, if you will, uh, to help fulfill the commission that's been given. Uh, and so everything about uh, our church should be to the fulfilling of that great commission. Uh, and we work and we strive and are planning to refine that even more as we get ready to move into the new year. Uh, but everything about us, from Faith Bible Institute on Monday night to Reformers Unanimous on Friday night uh, to the Sunday school hour at 10 o'clock through the morning worship service and then the Sunday evening service at 6.30 and then, uh, and then on Wednesday night at 7 and the discipleship that goes on during that hour uh, throughout the building, all of it, the outreach on Saturday and other opportunities that arise, all of it is to one end. It is to share the faith. It is to preach the gospel. It is to make disciples of Christ so that we are equipped to go out and fulfill the commission that God has given us. It's what God wants us doing. It's what we're commanded to do. I'm going to point out three things about this text this morning and we see as Jesus gives this and and I realize that this is a familiar passage and we have a tendency sometimes when passages are real familiar to think, well, I've heard everything there is to hear about this. Well, maybe you have. But it doesn't mean that you don't need to hear it again. 
Uh, and so we uh, sometimes need to be reminded, and the Lord reminds us, like we remind our children at times, or like you wives remind us husbands uh, too many times, uh, then uh, we, we get reminded often. And so the first thing that I want you to see this morning is this. Number one, our mission declared. Our mission declared. Jesus declares the mission. He says to us as he commissions the church in verses 18 and 19, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. And so uh, what we see is his declaration is this, is that first it has been declared by proper authority. Now, we've talked about that before. There are a lot of people that make de declarations. Uh, you can turn on the news this afternoon and you can look and you can see all kinds of, uh, of uh, uh, political parties and side groups and side shows making declarations. Uh, you can have all kinds of people that will go out and declare this or declare that and try to mandate this or mandate that, but they have no authority. Sometimes even in Congress, you'll see them pass a non-binding resolution. It has no power behind it. It has no uh, law attached to it. It is just their voicing of support or, uh, or disapproval of something that some other entity has done, whether it be uh, the president or another nation or uh, what have you. And so it is a, it is a non-binding, it has no authority. It, it, it could be called a declaration. This is what we think, this is what we believe, uh, but it, it, it has no power. Uh, may I say to you this morning that the declaration that Jesus makes is made by proper authority who has all power. Uh, we therefore, as his followers, are mandated by his authority to carry out the declaration that he has declared. To, to, to do what he has stated. I cannot run from it. I cannot hide from it. I cannot excuse myself from it. The, Curtis Hudson said uh, the only, uh, the only uh, or way to get around soul winning or the only answer to it is disobedience. I can't avoid it. I have a responsibility to share my faith with the world around me. It's kind of hard to do if the only time I ever speak about Jesus is in the church house. It's kind of hard to do if I don't ever uh, worry about or consider where that soul, that person that I run across at the, uh, in a parking lot or the grocery store or some other place like that, uh, is if I never consider that, that their soul is eternal and that they have a state. Listen, our responsibility has been given by proper authority. It has been passed down uh, to the church and we as the body of believers of called the called out assembly of Christ as his saved uh, children are the church. It is our individual responsibility and it is our collective corporate responsibility as the body of Christ to do what he has said. Not only did it, it was it declared by a proper authority, but it has been declared clearly. There's not any doubt about what Jesus intends here. There's not any question about what he means. There's not any wondering about, okay, Lord, what are you trying to say? You know, there's a lot of times whenever you uh, pass along information to someone and they, uh, you're, you're, uh, I, I used to, I, well, I, I still do, I just don't see it very often, but I love the old comic strip, Calvin and Hobbes. 
And uh, one of my favorite strips is uh, whenever Calvin is in the kitchen and his mom's sitting on the couch in the living room and uh, the kitchen door is open and he calls out to mom and he says, hey, mom, can I have a snack? There's a big jar of chocolate chip cookies sitting there. He's already got the lid off and he's already got his hand in. And she says, sure you can, Calvin. You can have an apple or an orange or a banana. And he looks rather perturbed as a pretentious little six-year-old. And he looks out and he's got his hand in the cookie jar. And he says, we may both be talking English, but we're not speaking the same language. Uh, and so but we have to understand this morning that sometimes we can pass information on, but we are not effectively communicating or understanding what is intended. There can be no misunderstanding of what Jesus is saying here. There's not anywhere to hide from it. There's not any way to misunderstand it. It has been declared clearly. He says, go ye. That tells us the who. Who's supposed to go? We are. Ye. Go ye. Go ye. Uh, he did not leave it uh, to be debated. He did not uh, leave it to be uh, discussed. And you say, oh, well, pastor, you're just trying to uh, get us motivated to get out and tell others. Well, yeah, it's kind of my job. Uh, but, he said, but, but he's talking to the disciples here. We'll consider Acts chapter 1 uh, and verse number 8 when he's talking to the church as it's getting ready to be formed and uh, properly established as it goes out. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And so he restates the commission in the early church in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And he states it clearly, go ye the who, I, me, you, the church, body, other believers around the world, we are to go and tell others about what Jesus Christ has done. It's our God-given responsibility. He says, then the teach, baptize and teach. And Mark said, preach. So what's the difference in the words here? That tells us the what. What are we to do? So he tells us, and we're going to get to that in point number two. But he tells us here, go ye. So we know who is to go. He says, go and teach, baptize and teach. That tells us what we're supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? Teach all the world. Teach those around me. Then I am to teach all. All nations, that is to whom? He's telling me, okay, what do I do? Who goes? You go. Uh, what do I say? This is what you're to do. Who do I say it to? The world. It's very clear. Sometimes it's amazing to see, as I look around, how many churches are, are stopping outreach or uh, churches are adopting uh, doctrine that is unbiblical that, that states that, that God has preselected who's going to go to heaven. My Bible st still says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He hasn't forgotten. He hasn't changed his mind. My Bible still says, Whosoever shall put their trust in God shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so when we come and we understand what he's saying here, he's saying, listen, our mission has been declared. I want you to consider, secondly, that our mission has been defined. Our mission defined. I'm going to back up just a minute on this teach, baptize, teach segment here because it's interesting and there's some terms here that we need to understand. The word teach... And teaching are not the same Greek word that's, that's given. And there's uh, some difference in, uh, in meaning here. And so consider here where he says, uh, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The word teach there is a word that means intransitively to become a disciple. 
So when he talks about teaching, he is emphasizing to me that I have the responsibility not only to be a teacher, but to teach, to be taught. In other words, I have a responsibility to become a disciple. I must be a disciple before I can make a disciple. I must accept that responsibility. Transitively, uh, it means uh, that to make a disciple. So when we see here, go ye into, therefore and teach all nations, he is saying to them, then you must, you must become a believer, a disciple, not just a casual follower, but a disciple, an embracer of who and what I am, that you may go and make disciples also. Uh, you see that in our military. I tend to talk about the Marine Corps because that's where I serve. But but whenever I was in the Marine Corps, they, they didn't bring in civilians to teach us how to be Marines. They didn't bring in people from the other branches to teach us how to be a Marine. They brought in Marines. Marines make Marines. We, they brought in men that knew. They brought in men who had been through across the ground that we were walking, who had been through the training that we had been, who had been established, uh, and they were serious about their business and their duty. The Navy would be the same thing, and the Army the same thing, and the Air Force the same thing. They don't bring in people from other places. Uh, they, they bring in people that are established, that have been molded into that image to fulfill that mission, to that purpose, to de that defines who and what they are and what they're about and what they'll accomplish uh, in defense of our nation. Uh, and I always have appreciated the emphasis that was placed on us uh, that, that we were always showed, it was always demonstrated to us us by an NCO what was being taught. When I became an NCO, we were demonstrating and leading by our own example what got what we were what was commanded of us, what was expected of us. No one was ever just said, hey, this is how you do it in the book. Now go out there and figure it out. It, there was a demonstration. And it had to be someone that knew, that lived, that wore the uniform, that lived the life, that believed in the cause, that taught us what we were doing. And my friends, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is no different. You can no more make a disciple of Christ if you don't become one yourself. We have a responsibility not to just proclaim, but to live before the world around us the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be an example. We must come out from among them and be separate. We must live holy lives. We must be drawn to the cause of Christ. Why? Because a life that just preaches a message but does not live the message that's preached does not resonate with those that are searching for truth. And the gospel is not something that God has given to appease the conscience of man so that we can feel better about ourselves or live our best life, which is, seems to be kind of the mantra, uh, mantra of the modern church around the, the world. He, what he wants is for us to realize, I've given you a mandate, I've given you an order, I've given you a requirement that you become a disciple so that you can make disciples. So we look here and he says, teach all nations. That's what he's saying here. That's what the word means. <clears throat> then he said, teaching them in verse 20 to observe. The difference in the words is this. The, the word here means to teach, to impart instruction, or to instill doctrine. And so in essence, I must become a disciple 
focused in preaching and teaching to make a disciple, but the nuts and bolts of this is now is that I have to impart to you knowledge in such a way that it appeals to you and you make application of it to your life. In other words, our lives inspire those that we teach the principles of God's word to, to adhere to it and to live it. So teach and teaching. Mark said, preach the gospel to every creature. The word preached in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 means to be a herald, as in the sense in the old days of a, of a town crier. If, if you're young enough here, you may not understand what that was, but back in the old days when there wasn't social media and there wasn't uh, PA systems and there was no TV and there was no radio and there was uh, maybe a town newspaper, they had town criers. And they'd walk around with a big bell and sometimes they'd have a podium on which they could stand up and whenever there was some important news that had to be shared or declaration that had to be given, they'd walk around and they'd either ring the bell or they'd cry out, Hear ye, hear ye! The town crier preached the gospel, be a herald. Doesn't it sound like that we're supposed to be timid, mealy-mouthed, uh, and, and, you know, people that go around just trying to kind of hush the, the teaching and the preaching of the gospel. We are to uh, boldly proclaim what Jesus has done for the world. It means to publish or to proclaim openly. And so we understand the commission that God has given us and how it's been defined. He says, preach the gospel. Preach it. Don't hold back. Preach truth. Preach it strongly. Now listen, we live in a time where, uh, where uh, we, we, uh, it's hard for people to tolerate strong, blunt preaching. That's why we're not very big, because I tend to be a blunt speaker. Now, I don't want to be a hateful speaker. I don't want to be an unkind speaker. I don't believe that pleases the Lord. And I kind of fled that element of, uh, of our type of churches a lot of years ago. Uh, but I don't want to hold back and, and, and be shy about proclaiming truth. I want to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with love. And I don't make any apology for preaching holiness and personal righteousness and our personal responsibility and trying to live that out and demonstrate it. That's the mandate that we've been given. He says, go and preach. What is it that we're supposed to do? What is it that God has said? Listen, he has openly declared our mission and he has clearly defined it saying, preach the gospel, baptize those who are converted. Praise the Lord. We'll have baptism in here in just the end of the service. And folks that have trusted the Lord a while back, but they've never followed the Lord in believers' baptism. That's a wonderful thing. Why? Because it's not just a demonstration. It is a demonstration of outwardly of what's taken place inwardly, but it's also an expression of commitment to live the life that Christ has, has ordered us and commanded us to live. And when that old man is dead and buried and the new man, that new creature in Christ is resurrected from that water uh, to live a new life, then that life can go out and make others what is our mission this morning defined? Preach the gospel, baptize the converted, secondly, and thirdly, to disciple those that are baptized. See, it doesn't end. And so many times over the years, I've seen churches where we, uh, we, we go out and we uh, tell people and we see them saved and then we baptize them and then uh, that's where it ends. There are even some prominent uh, churches and fundamentals and Bible colleges that say nobody needs discipling. They'll get all the discipling they need from the, from the platform. Well, Jesus said, make disciples. Jesus said, make people, help people become who I am and what I've made you. 
And there's an emphasis that we've placed in our church, and it's going to be a growing emphasis in the days ahead uh, of making disciples, of developing relationships, of helping people and teaching them doctrine and teaching them the truth of God's Word and instilling it in an environment where they can actually grasp the truth and uh, and ask questions and to, uh, to ad- make application and adherence in their lives. It's our calling. Thirdly, this morning, consider that our mission has been demonstrated. Our mission has been demonstrated. <clears throat> we have seen throughout the Gospels and we've seen Uh, in the lives of these men, a demonstration of Jesus' power. Why is that important? Because Jesus said, all power is given unto me. And if all power is given unto him, I need more than a statement. I need to see it in action. My friends, we have clearly seen throughout the word of God and through what God has done in the people's lives that we know even in our time, a wonderful demonstration of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw power of his demonstration at the virgin birth. We saw power of a demonstration of his power uh, as he performed miracles as he walked. We saw a demonstration of his power and his love for us and his passion on the cross. My friends, Jesus Christ is passionate for you. He's passionate for me. He's passionate uh, for those who he gave his life for. And the Bible even says in Hebrews that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And you, uh, Mike, were enough to keep Jesus on the cross while he was there he was enduring that affliction and suffering that passion because he had you on his mind and the relationship that you have with him now and what he wants to accomplish in your life now we've seen that demonstration of his power we've also see here a demonstration of man's peril you stop and you think about the passion of Christ think about his suffering on the cross how much farther Could man sink than to proclaim the Messiah, the gift from God, a enemy of their way of life and to force the Romans to crucify him? How much more depraved could we become that we would kill the king of glory and hang him on a cross? Man is in peril. Man is hopeless without Christ. We also see here a demonstration of unified passion. A demonstration of unified passion. Pastor, what do you mean? I mean we see Jesus Christ's passion for men. Passion is defined in a multitude of ways, but primarily two. One is passion as in suffering, and the other is passion as I am. uh, We would use more contemporarily today. I'm passionate about something. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm giving myself to something. I'll get excited about something or angry about it, but I'm just, I'm passionate about it. I think that you see both of these things in the Lord Jesus Christ. Clearly, we see his suffering on Calvary. Clearly, we see his rejoicing at resurrection. But also, in doing so, he demonstrated that his passion or his love or his devotion to what he was dying for. And he has given to us a call, a command to to be separate and to come out from among them. He's pled with us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Jesus gave himself a physical sacrifice on Calvary's cross and he requests and demands from us a living sacrifice. To do what? Okay, pastor, I'm going to give my life a living sacrifice. What do I do? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He has given us a mission. 
He has defined what it is, and he has demonstrated the former the, or the founder of Central Baptist Seminary in Toronto, it's merged with another school now. This man's been dead for several years. His name was Gordon Watts, said this. The call of the cross, therefore, is to enter into the passion of Christ. We must have upon us the print of the nails. In other words, the world around us must see Jesus on us. The world around us must see the impact that he's made in our life. The world around us must, re, what, must understand that what Christ has done is a miraculous thing. Leonard Ravenhill wrote in his book, Why Revival Tarries, about Isaiah's three-dimensional vision in Isaiah chapter number six. We're not going to look at this long this morning, but I do want to point out quickly some things about it. He says there in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And it stood, above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved to the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And lo, and I also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. What is he seeing here? In verse 5, we see, we see here in here in this passage, we see in essence the great commission of the church. Because he says in verse 5, Woe! He gives a word of confession. He sees God high and lifted up, and he sees himself where he is. Word, a, low of, or a word of confession. And then he says, lo, a word of cleansing. When I see God, it causes me to seek cleansing. Verse 9, he says, who will go? It's a word of commission. We see that Isaiah's vision was an upward vision. He saw the Lord. It was an inward vision. He saw himself. It was an outward vision. He saw the world. Leonard Ravenhill continues that he saw a vision of height, the Lord high and lifted up, a vision of depth, the recesses of his own heart, and a vision of breadth, the world in its need of Christ. My friends, this morning, my declaration to you is Jesus' declaration to the church that we have a mission that has been declared unto us, that that mission has been clearly defined and that mission has been demonstrated that we might see and know and understand what it is that we are to do. He did not say, this is what you're to do, go figure it out. He said, this is what you're to do, but he had already shown us how to do it. And he gave us the New Testament church in the early writings and its establishment in the book of Acts so that we could understand its process. He corrected its error in First and Second Corinthians and other books of that nature, and he commended its success in Thessalonians and other books uh, so that we could stay on track and on course with God. Ravenhill in his book, Why Revival Terries, also gives this story, and we'll give this in conclusion this morning. 
<coughs> because some of us still, as we embrace this, will look and we would hide behind, well, I just don't have that gift, Pastor. I don't have, uh, I don't have uh, uh, the ability or I'm too intimidated to talk to somebody about their faith or we have all kinds of reasons why we can't do what God's called us to do. We hide behind that. But my friends, there's not going to be hide, any hiding behind it whenever we stand before Christ and give an account for our lives. Because it wasn't a request, it was a command. It's a mandate. That's why we're here. Charlie Peace was a criminal. The laws of God or man curbed him not. And finally one day the law caught up with him and he was condemned to hang. As he was sitting in the Armley Jail in Leeds, England, he was thinking about what was coming and he was preparing to go out to the gallows. As they came to get him, they brought the prison chaplain in the prison chaplain, they got up in line, and as they began to walk and make their way to the gallows, the prison chaplain began to recite from a book the consolations of religion. As they were walking, the criminal was taken back by the, sleep, the sleepy reading of a few verses of the Bible by this chaplain. And he tapped him in the shoulder, and he said, What are you reading? The consolation of religion was the reply. Charlie was shocked. He's thinking in his heart, how could this man professionally read about hell? Could a man be so unmoved under the very shadow of the scaffold as to lead a fellow human there and yet dry-eyed read of a pit that has no bottom into which this fellow must fall? Could this preacher believe the words that there is an eternal fire that never consumes its victims and yet slide over the phrase without a tremor? Is a man human at all who can say with no tears, you will be eternally dying and yet never know the relief that death brings? All of this was too much for Charlie Peace. So he preached. Here is his on the eve of hell sermon. Sir, addressing the preacher, the chaplain, if I believed what you and the church of God say that you believe, even if England were covered with broken glass from coast to coast, I would walk over it if need be on hands and knees and think it a worthwhile living just to save one soul from an eternal hell like that. My friends, we must realize this morning that God, that the Lord Jesus Christ has not left us here to idly coast through life. But he has put a church here. And he has put believers in Jesus Christ here to fulfill the commission that he gave his church. He gave it with proper authority. He gave it clearly. He demonstrated it so that there's no misunderstanding about what it is we're to do. Will we sit idly by? We focus this month on missions, which means that we focus largely on the uttermost part of the world, but it has to begin here in Jerusalem and Baytown. And beyond that, it, it, it expands to Judea or a church plant in Houston. And beyond that, it expands to Samaria, to a greater, broader region within our own country, and then abroad we have not been commanded simply to reach a city we have been commanded to reach the world 
to participate in it all, to pray for them all, to not just how hypocritical is it for us to send the money to and to pray for those that go when we won't go to anyone here ourselves. It is a command from Scripture. It is the power of the gospel. And it's the only thing that's going to change lives. It's the only thing that's going to make disciples of Christ. It's not just about sharing faith, but it's grabbing hold of that person once they put their faith and trust in Christ and not letting go, but continuing to invest in them and continuing to show them the way and to demonstrate before them the way and to teach to them the power, the truths of Scripture until it's taken root in their life, until they've been established, until they're growing, and now they are making disciples of others also. That is the completion of the commission that God has given. That is the work and the mission and the call of God upon the church and to every believer. Will we embrace it this morning? I'm grateful for a missionary that's willing to leave home and to embrace it. But may we understand that it is our responsibility to embrace it here at home as well.